your Bible to 2 Kings 22. We are going to continue finishing what we began last week with the attitude factor. And the attitude factor simply states to always be willing to change your beliefs when you discover that they are contrary to what the Bible says. That might seem like a very uh, simplistic and very der kind of an application, but you'd be surprised, surprised, and shocked as to how many times, if you're being honest with yourself, because I know I'm like this, I will read a passage and I will be inspired in my mind. I might even feel something in the deep, dark recesses of my soul. But how much does it actually affect my attitude, my actions, my behavior, and my conduct? Four synonyms that all mean the same thing, but I just really wanted to get the point across to you guys. How often does it actually affect and change what I do? These are serious questions to ask yourself. We spent all this time last week looking at James chapter 1 about when a man comes to the Word of God and he looks at it and he sees his natural self in the mirror and he doesn't change the way it is. It's almost as though you woke up this morning and you're like, I look good, ready for my day. And that's what people do every single time they come to the Bible. Think about how many Sundays and Wednesdays you guys have been here at this church. How many Bible lessons you've heard. Think about how many discipleship lessons you've been a part of where you've heard the Word of God, but it has not changed your behavior. That's you here. We also looked last week in Luke chapter 6, the, a parallel passage talking about a guy who when he hears the Word of God and is just a hearer only, he's building his house, his foundation, everything in his faith, everything he stands upon on sinking sand. It's going to collapse your faith, your walk will collapse if you are just a hearer only. Some of you experience that whenever that alarm clock hits on Monday morning. And the storms come as soon as you enter in through the doors of that school. And your faith and your walk collapse. We looked at a couple other passages. I don't want to go through it too, too much. I wanted you guys to get your blanks in. Thank you, Jamie. We also saw in John 13, 17, it says, If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Hey, are you happy in the Lord? You might be happy with your friends they hang out with. You might be happy with your family. You might be happy with the way things are going in your life. But are you happy spiritually? Do you have a joy that no man can take away from you? If not, it might be because you're not doing what the Word of God says when you come across it, when you read it. And again, Job 42, where it talks about, He's heard of thee with the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. We talked extensively about that last week. All right, real quick, the important concepts, just to fill in your blanks from last week in case you don't have your study sheet. John 3, we talked about how religion can blind us to what we should believe. Remember the story of Nicodemus. Mark 7 Tradition can bind us to unbiblical beliefs. You see this happen with many churches where they get so caught up on the gray areas of Scripture and they become legalistic and dogmatic about things that really are just the minors. Things that don't matter in the big scheme of things. John 11, we saw God will challenge our beliefs. Remember Martha? When her brother Lazarus died? God will challenge you the same way, usually through an intense crisis of belief. More on that in a little bit. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 26, we saw that sometimes we choose not to believe. God 
got to be careful with that. And finally, Luke 6, what we believe determines how strong the foundation of our life is. All right, I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to hit this paragraph. This is where we left off last week. We're going to hit this paragraph. But let's pray first. Father, I want to thank you for the Word of God. I want to thank you for how much it's changed and impact the lives of everyone in here to some degree or another. Even if perchance there's somebody in here that's not saved. Sunday morning, it's typically it's our main crew. It's, it's the, the people that they have demonstrated they have a walk with you. And God, in the off chance that maybe there's not, I prayed that... Uh, when they hear the Word of God today, it wouldn't just be in one ear and out the other, but they would do something with what it is you're asking them to do. And for the rest of us, strengthen and grow our walk. Lord, I'm still tired and hit from the Christmas party Friday night. Tired from yesterday's activities. I know everybody else is, but God, we're going to look at one of the most important passages of Scripture. How do you even put a qualifier on something like that? But God, I hope by the, the time that we go through it and, and look at what you did through a man named Josiah, I hope and pray that it just radicalizes their faith today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in light of these important concepts we looked at last week, check out this paragraph that I added here. Our personal beliefs are formed by our upbringing, societal pressures and teaching, and personal experience. Everything, not just biblical stuff, but everything that you believe is influenced in some degree or another through one of these things. The following are just a few examples of issues the Bible speaks about that may challenge your own personal beliefs and actions. And I incorporated this because if it wasn't clear from last week just how certain passages of the Bible, certain topics, certain events of your life that you might think the Bible is silent on or certain things that you might have a personal opinion on, I wanted you guys to look at these things and just to know, whatever your opinion is, the Bible has something to say about it. And so the challenge for yourself is, do my actions and attitude line up with what the Bible says? And if it doesn't, do I need to change? Or maybe you look at these things, you're like, you know what? I didn't even know that the Bible had anything to do with any of these things. Hmm, maybe I should look into this then. But first and foremost, uh, or managing your finances. The Bible has something to say about your finances. Most people think, no, that's, an off, that's my money, it's my issue, it's my personal uh, thing, leave me alone on it. Dating. Yeah, it's a little bit of a grayer issue, but man, does the Bible have a lot to say about who and who you shouldn't be with. What are your personal thoughts on dating? Are you sure it lines up with what the Bible says? If not, number one, you should look it up. And number two, make sure you change if your behavior and attitude doesn't match up with what the Bible says. Where are we at? Music choices. That's a big one. I don't care what you guys say. I mean, it's not like I only listen to Christian music either. In fact, you guys have kind of heard me say, I, most Christian music I think is horrible today. Doctrinally unsound, just copy and paste, repeat format over and over again. There's no heart. There's no change from album to album of an artist. You don't even know if they're even walking with God or not. Did anybody in the band even write that song or is it just the producer? That's just home, that whole thing aside. That's for another day. That's just how I personally feel about it. However, you can't sit there and tell me that music or movies or any kind of entertainment doesn't have some kind of effect on your emotional and mental output from day to day. Don't get me wrong. I can't listen to Chris Tom. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. When I'm lifting, I can't. Or running. 
I just, I need something that jazzed me up a little bit more. But at the same time, if I'm going all day long listening to angry music or anything else for that matter, it's going to have a negative effect on my attitude and actions the rest of the day to some degree or another. Same thing with movies, TV show, whatever. Biblical relationships, marriage responsibilities, child rearing and discipline. Oh, here's one. Alcohol use. Hmm. There's a lot of churches today that their view of what the Bible says doesn't match up with their actions. Or rather, I should say, their actions don't match up with what the Bible says about alcohol use. Same thing with tobacco use. Makeup and clothing. Talked about that in the main service last week. Giving. Attitudes and actions towards authority. We'll cover that in three Wednesdays' time in the book of Romans. Work ethic, etc. All of these things, believe it or not, the Bible has something to say on it. You might have your own personal beliefs based upon your upbringing, based upon your relationship uh, to any of these figures that are in here, your upbringing, uh, the societal norms, etc. and so forth. But what does the Bible say? Do you guys see how these kind of topics, this is where it comes a little bit more closer to home for us? Yeah, we could take this whole thing, and when you're talking to somebody at school who might have a different doctrinal belief, or if they go to a church that thinks social drinking is okay, you might be able to take them and show them these passages, hey, is your actions going to line up with what the Word of God says? But some of these, it's a little bit more closer to home for some of you guys. The Bible's not silent on these areas. You need to consider, do my actions line up with that? All right, 2 Kings 22. There's a great example here of King Josiah and how he came face to face with the Word of God and what happened to him, just out of curiosity. Because I, this is a pretty common passage we've gone over before, but I don't want to take any uh, liberties of just assuming. Who here knows about this passage we're about to read? Perfect. Good. Because this is a very common passage for me. I've heard it growing up in this church my entire life, but I really didn't want it to be common for you guys. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read a lot of passages here, but this is going to be the only one we're going to turn to. Then you guys are going to split up and go through the rest of these. It'll be quick. We're going to go through and we're going to read all of chapter 22 and 23 together. So there's going to be most of you, actually all of you guys are going to be reading. Some of you might be reading more than once. So make sure you're perked up. Make sure your Bible's open to 2 Kings 22. Make sure you know what verse you're going to be reading next. We'll start with Ben, and then we'll snake around, and then after Caleb, we'll hit Sammy, and after Darren, we'll hit Dusty Boy over there. And we'll, once we get Dakota, we'll come back over to Ben. You guys good? Ready? All right. 2 Kings chapter 22. Quick snapshot for you guys. Israel comes through the time of Judges. They come through the time of, of David and Solomon as king. And then they enter into this period where they have a series of good kings and a series of bad kings. That's what 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles is all about. And here we're in the midst of, they just came off of a few wicked kings. And now we have King Josiah. Ben, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah. Yep the daughter of Adiah of Boscah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. All right, real quick. Josiah, good king or bad king? Good. Absolutely. All right, verse 3. And it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, sure. 
the son of Majulslam. Sounds good to me. The scribe to the house of the Lord saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have, ga have gathered of the people. And let them deliver into the hands of the doers of the work, that have the oversight of the, of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers. And let the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house. Unto carpenters and builders and masons, and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Howbeit there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered into their hand, because they dealt faithfully. All right, let's stop there. Does everybody see what's going on here? What did King Josiah tell Hilkiah the high priest he wanted him to do? Sammy. Get all the silver. Yeah, it's like, hey, let's see how much funds we have. We got some repairs in the house of the Lord we got to do here. So let's sum it all up. Let's get how much we got here. Let's give it to the workers so that they can start doing it. And you guys hear what, what uh, Noah said in verse 7? Everybody was so honest with their work. Everybody did such a thorough and good job at what they did that they didn't even need receipts. There was nobody ripping each other off. Nobody was scheming somebody. Nobody charged the wrong price for it. Everything was honest and by the book and was very, very good and moral. Okay? So that's where we're at here, picking up in verse 8. Go ahead. And Hezekiah <clears throat> the high priest said unto Stephan. Shaphan. Okay. Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. Hmm. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of them that do the work and have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hokiah the priest hath delivered me a book, and Shaphan read it before the Real quick, what book was it that he found? The book of the law of the Lord, the Bible, specifically the first five books, Genesis through Deuteronomy. They found it, which means it wasn't readily available to them. Not everybody had a copy of it in their home. They found it because it was lost. Can you guys imagine that? Imagine living for years without a copy of the Bible. That's to set the stage of just how messed up things are right now. Even so, they still dealt faithfully and morally with the goods. So they come to the king and they read it before the king. They read the book. Verse 11. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. Hmm. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahakam, sure. the son of Shaphan and Oxbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asiah, a servant of the king, saying, Do ye inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, hmm. because our fathers uh, have not hearkened to the words of this book, to do according unto all that which is written. Stop right there. So the king reads. Is it the concepts and the principles of the book? Is that what he read? Did he read a commentary online? 
Did he search out some YouTube pastor for what he has to say? No. He read the words of the book and it did something to him. He tore his clothes because he was so burdened and broken up inside. And he told the priest, go before the Lord in prayer and inquire of him. Ask him because his wrath is so great against us because of the years we spent not adhering to what this book says. Because of the years and what our fathers did. Why should we be held accountable to our fathers? <sighs> Different time back then. And not to mention the fact that the sins of the father do pass down to the son and to the second and third generation. You might want to think about that. I've been thinking about that a lot recently. You realize that the Bible says it's not just the sins of the father, but it's passed down to the second and third generation, which means that the things that you guys struggle with might have been something that you got from your grandfather or your great-grandfather. Might be worth a good conversation with your grandfather or your grandmother, well, grandfather, if he's still alive. Or maybe ask some of your older relatives or your older family members, hey, what was so-and-so like? What was great-grandpa like? It might help you to know why it is you struggle with what you struggle with so that you then know how to inquire the Lord for what it is you have need of. Sin affects far beyond what you and I do. And the sins you commit now will get passed down unto your children. Do you see now why, when he read the book of the law, he was so torn up inside? This isn't just a casual, I did my devotion sort of a reading. This isn't just a, I did what I was supposed to do today in my discipleship assignment. This is something more. This is something real. This is something genuine. This is what it was always meant to be. When the Word of God gets inside of us, it should tear us up. Just like he tore up his clothes because he was so convicted by what the Spirit of God was saying to him. And he's about to do something about it. He says, we've not hearkened unto the words of this book, as Mason just read at the end of verse 13, to do according unto all that which was written according, uh, or concerning us. All right, verse 14. So Hakiah the priest and Nathan and Akbor and Shaphan and Uzziah went unto hold of the prophecies. Hmm. The wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Haraz, the keeper of the wardrobe, now she dwelt in Jerusalem and the college and hmm. coming in with her. Boy, different time back then when the word of God is absent. Go ahead, verse 15. And she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read. Because they have forsaken me, and have buried incense unto other gods, and they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands, therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place, and shall not be accomplished. But to the king of Judah, which send you to inquire of the Lord, Thus shall ye say to him, 
Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words thou hast heard. Because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes, and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered unto thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king for you. So the king is torn up inside. He goes and does something based upon what he read. And the prophetess in the college, again, when the word of God is absent, weird stuff starts happening in society. Hmm. Kind of mirrors present day. The prophetess says, yeah, you know what? Here's what the Lord says. Uh, judgment's coming to this place. And God says, but you know what, King Josiah, verse 19 again, because thine heart was tender and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants, desolation, I've heard you. And you know what? Even though I'm coming against this place, you're going to be fine, King Josiah. Why? Because he had the attitude factor. Because he had his own way set in stone, but when he came face to face with what the Word of God said, it caused a reaction in his heart, and he did something about it. And here is what he did. I'm going to read chapter 23. Make sure you guys follow along. We won't read all of it. And the king sent, and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests, and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. You know what he did? He went out and evangelized what he heard. And he said it very plainly and clearly into their ear that they knew exactly that judgment was coming. Just like Enoch, who was a preacher of righteousness, who in the book of Jude says that he preached that ten thousands of the Lord's saints are coming. The Lord's coming back one day. Just like Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness, that's what he's doing. He did something with what he heard. Verse 3, And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul. I seem to remember Christ saying something about that, how that's the greatest commandment for you guys to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's the greatest commandment. And by this shall, people know, shall all men know that you are his disciples indeed. Here's what he's doing. To perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book, and all the people stood to the covenant. And now... It's time to get busy. It's time to get to work. So here's what he does. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, God's temple. Are you God's temple according to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20? The Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are the temple of the Lord. What? Know ye not? In the temple of the Lord, look what verse 4 says that were made, all the vessels that were made for who? The 
temple of the Lord is supposed to be holy. The temple of the Lord was supposed to be not profaned. And here, the men of Israel, when the word of God was not taken heed to, when the word of God was buried in their lives, the temple of the Lord was defiled with that of Satan worship. With things that caused the nation of Israel to stumble into sin because the word of God was not present before their hearts and their minds and their eyes. All the vessels that were made for Baal, Josiah says, get them out. It's time to clean house. And for the grove and for all the host of heaven, they had vessels that worshipped the host of heaven. Hmm, who dwells up there in that third heaven again? All the host of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. And he put down, that means he tore it down, he shredded it up, the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense into the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places round about Jerusalem. Because sin spreads if you don't deal with it first and foremost right away. Whatever sin you're going through right now, whatever friends you're hanging around that probably are being a bad influence in you, if it's not taken care of right away, it's just going to spread. It's just going to spread. Put them down in the cities and the places round about Jerusalem. Them also that burn incense unto Baal, to the sun, and to the moon, and to the planets. How'd they know about the planets? They must have had some kind of third world or third heavenly type of knowledge. And to all the hosts of heaven, astrology. And he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord without Jerusalem unto the brook Kidron, and burned it at the brook Kidron. I don't have time to go into the significance of the brook Kidron, but let me just say this. The last time that brook is mentioned is in John chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, where Jesus, after the Last Supper, his final discipleship lesson with his disciples, passes over the brook Kidron and goes to a place, a certain place that the enemy knew the place where he could pray. He passes over the brook Kidron, and it's where he has his prayer to God, take this cup of suffering away from me. Where he's being tempted to resist going to the cross. The Brook of Kidron is a very significant place throughout Scripture. If you want a fun little study, do it sometime. And this is where Josiah is burning all of the false gods, all of the false idols. He's stamping it to small powder. He casts the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of people. Because you know what was actually going on? In the temple of the Lord, when they had wicked kings before Josiah who were in charge and they brought all of this false idol worship going on, eventually it got to the point where they had their children pass through the fire unto Moloch. You know what that means? They sacrificed their own children to this false god. And the same thing's happening today through abortion, but even in some parents being okay with some of the things that their kids get involved in. I don't know what your parents let you get involved in, but I do know this. You guys do have a choice. The, phrase, the way the phrase is worded in the Bible is that their children pass through the fire. To me, that kind of sounds like the children might have had some level of choice. Probably because their parents convinced them, no, this is okay. This is, this is, for, this is for our eternal good. This is for God. It's something that's going to please our God. And they did it. Be careful. Be careful. Verse 7, And he break down the houses of the Sodomites, yikes, that were by the house of the Lord. 
the priests of the temple of God, let sodomites near the house of the Lord. They tolerated it, which went against the book of the law of God that Josiah read. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Went against those five books of the law. He read it, he realized that they were in sin, and he did something about what happened, what the Word of God said, where the woman wove hangings of the grove. And he brought all the priests out. Do you guys see how Josiah is cleaning house? How he is kicking butt and taking names? And he's eight years old. Well, he was eight years old, but then in the 18th year. which So he's around your guys' age. I was going to mention that. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. This guy's around your age when he's doing this. King, do you know that in Revelation 1.5, it says that God hath made you and I who know him kings and priests? You are kings if you know Christ. You are a priest. You have direct access to God the Father at any time you want if you're in Christ. This is you. This is you. Every single day you go to high school. It should be. Do you see the kind of radical mindset that it takes? You guys aren't going to a building where you get good grades and possibly increase your chances to go to college. That is your land. It has been defiled. What are you going to do about it based upon what the Word of God says? Are you going to hear the Word of God and start doing what it says and cleaning house and sharing your faith with others? Or are you going to keep it to yourself? Because did you guys, do I need to remind you what the judgment was against the entire land of Judah with the exception of Josiah? He brought all the priests out, the cities of Judah, defiled the high places where the priests had burned. And from Geba to Beersheba, break down the high places, and he just keeps on going. He gets the governor out of the city, gets the priests of other false gods out. He starts bringing down the houses and all of the chariots and all of the temples and the altars of all of these other gods that Israel had set up before him when they set aside their Bible. And he broke it down. You can read the rest of the chapter. He just goes on and on and on where he's cleaning house. And you know what really stinks? Look at verse 24. Moreover, the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and Jerusalem did Josiah put away that he might... What's that next word? Perform or do, in other words. He changed his attitude based upon what the Word of God said, that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. And like unto him was there no king before him. Can the same be said of you at your school? That there was no one like you before that with how, in this day and age, how radical your Christianity is. And as we'll see in two Wednesdays to come, that according to what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, that's just your reasonable service. Can't wait till we get to that. 
There was no king like before him that turned, look what it says, verse 25, that turned to the Lord with some of his heart, with some of his soul, with some of his might. No, all his heart, he turned to the Lord. All his soul, he turned to the Lord. All his might, he turned to the Lord according to all the law of Moses. You do that, and the last part of this verse will be said of you. Neither after him arose there any like him. You know, I, uh, I, I've mentioned this before. Probably we'll get into it in other ver passages or other topics too, but I'm not tooting my own horn when I say that in my high those three years of high school for me, when I realized how I wasted two years of my saved Christian life. I wasted them dating the world, being worldly. And when God revealed to me my sin of those two years, and I wasn't even into that much heinous stuff, but when he revealed that to me and I realized what I had done to him, I was this fanatical. And I'm not saying that to toot my own horn because as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, something happened when I went to college where I lost that. And that carried over into the workplaces, as I've said before. Wow, now the stakes are higher because now if I get fired because of my faith, my kids aren't going to eat now. But is God still God? That's what you struggle with as you get older. But in college, I lost that fervor. I lost that zeal. This is why I'm so much hammering for you guys to just be this unique and to be this different because you can now. They can't put you in prison for sharing your faith at your high school. I'm not even sure they can give you detention. You guys have carte blanche just to take your sword and start swinging and lopping heads off in the Lord. For anyone listening online. You guys have carte blanche to do that. To be not like anybody else who's passed through the halls of your school before you. And to be not like anybody else who's come after you. College. A little bit different, a little harder. Workplace, even more so. You get to be like Josiah now. You know what happens at the end of this, though? Verse 26 onwards. Notwithstanding, the Lord, after all these things he did, the 25 verses of him cleaning house, notwithstanding, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations that Manasseh had provoked him withal. After everything Josiah did, God still punished Judah. God still punished Israel for their past sins. Josiah was good. They cleaned house. He cleaned house. The nation was pure again. They were finally able to have a Passover supper. And God still punished them for their sin. So here's the point I want to make with this. You might go through all your high school and live this kind of radical life and lead zero people to Christ. Might happen. They still might experience the wrath of God. But did you personally do what God was asking you to do? Regardless of what the outcome is. Are you that close in your walk with God to whereas you know what it is He's asking you to do? And you do it. 
That's Josiah. When he came to a crisis of belief where he came face to face with the Word of God and realized that his life and the lives of everybody else did not match up what the Word of God said, he did something about it. So I have here on your study sheet, this shouldn't take too, too long. These are just like onesie, twosie verses. You guys can either do this to your own seat or you can get in groups of two. Might help to get in a couple of groups here. Look up these verses and decide, what is God saying? And ask yourself this question. This is the most important question. Are my beliefs contrary to what God's Word says? That, why don't you go ahead and answer on your own time. Let's just focus on what is the Bible saying here. I specifically put verses on here that deal with some things in society that might fly in the face of what the Word of God says, or rather... The Word of God flies in the face of what society says. But I think some of you guys might be surprised at some of the verses that are on here that it might be things that you struggle with or things that you might not realize the Bible says, but you perform or do. So when you read the Word of God, you might have to ask yourself, oh, stink, do I need to change my behavior based upon what the Word of God says? So go ahead and break up into groups. We'll spend 10 minutes doing this and we'll reconvene. Nobody rent your clothes if you come across something that you do realize, oh, stoop, or all stink. All right, so the first one we have up here, Ephesians 6. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, fear and trembling, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord, as to the Lord and not to men. Colossians 3.23, whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not in the men. Simply put, what's it saying here? Just put it in your own terms. Very simple. One sentence. Do things for the Lord. Yeah. Whatever it is you do. If you guys have jobs, do it heartily unto the Lord, not unto men. If you're in school, which is, uh, yep, 100% of you. If you're in school, do it heartily as unto the Lord. If you're serving in an area of ministry, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Not for eye service, not to get attention, not because you think you're going to get brownie points in heaven. Do it unto the Lord. Now again, verses you might be very familiar with, verses your parents probably made you memorize. Question is, are you actually doing that? This is where you need to ask yourself, do I need to change my behavior based upon what the Word of God says? Next one. Ah, a favorite. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-16. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Light with darkness. Christ with Belial, or Baal. Hmm. And what agreement hath the temple of God, you, with idols? Huh, we just talked about that in 2 Kings. For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. What's this one saying? Put it in your own words. Don't put anything before God. Yeah, be more specific. You guys did get this far, right? So just say what you put on your paper. Kendall. We can't be together with lost people. Yeah. We are to be around them, sure. And that's something I even failed to mention in the Second Kings passage. There was one part where, where jo Josiah... There's a certain part where he's actually defiling himself according to what the law says because he's touching the bones of dead people to get them out of the temple of the Lord. He's defiling himself in that process. 
devotional application for that. Ministry, you're going to get your hands dirty. Sometimes to make something right, it might, you might need to say something to somebody, specifically if you become unequally yoked with an unbeliever, and you realize, oh, stink, this is what God's Word says, I'm in the wrong, and now in order for me to make things right, I might need to hurt you by breaking stuff off. Sometimes ministry, you get your hands dirty, and you become defiled. It's not easy. It's not easy to do that. So what are you? Ask yourself that question. Is there a friend that you have that you're a little too close with them? We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Not to be yoked together. That's why it's very carefully worded. Pay attention to every single word. Are you unequally yoked with anyone? You need to ask yourselves that question. And if so, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to clean house? Next one, 1 Corinthians 6. Ooh, I like this one. I went ahead and threw in verse uh, 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. This is a little side one. I'll go ahead and give you guys this one. Uh, for those who might be struggling or know of anybody struggling with tobacco or alcohol use, as we kind of touched on in the introduction, uh, there's a verse for you right there. Is it bringing you under the power of it? And you know what? We don't even have to stop there. Are you under the power of your cell phone maybe a little bit too much? Well, check out your screen time sometime. See how much you spend on this app, that app, just your phone in general. Are you under the power of it? Hey! It's lawful. It's okay to have it. But if you're brought under the power of it, it's not okay. Does it profit? That's what the word expedient means. I will not be brought under the power of any. So there's that one as a freebie. What about for the rest of the passage? In your own words, what's it say? Do not fornicate. Yep. It's not okay. Our bodies are not created for substance abuse or fornication, but for the Lord. So therefore, flee fornication. Ephesians 4, 29. Jacob, go ahead and take this one. What does it mean? What's it mean? Or what's the application? What's it saying here? Uh, don't say bad things to people, but good things, so that way you can lift them up, not put them down. Would that apply to cussing? Yes. Absolutely. You better believe it would. No corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. No corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Ask yourself... There's what the Word of God says. Does my attitude and actions line up with what it says? If not, better clean house. James? It also applies to participating in the perverted jokes and crap that people talk about. Oh, yeah, there's chapter 5, verse 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Almost missed that one. Thanks for pointing that out, James. Absolutely. We're, called, we're told to put those sort of things off on our daily lives. Hmm. What's your life like? Does it match what the Word of God says? No one's tearing their clothes off, so I suspect that that means it does. Or you were listening to what I said, don't do that. In your own words, put it in your own words, what's the same? Jack? Watch who you hang out with. Choose your friends carefully, yep. Absolutely. Because if you don't, you're going to be destroyed. 
That could be your walk. That could be your life. Hmm. And lastly, Proverbs 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Proverbs 3, 13 and 15. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. You have Josiah as an example of this. She, wisdom, is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. Put it in your own words. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your might. Jacob? Uh, I thought I meant with wisdom comes understanding, and with understanding comes knowledge. And what's he telling you to do here with that? Get it. Get after it. Get wisdom. With all thy getting, get understanding. Pursue God. Follow hard after Him. Be like Josiah. Find the book of the law. Read every word of it and do what it says. Get after it. That's my own words of Proverbs 4.7. With all thy getting, get understanding. You could start as we go on to, well, with what we looked at here today, but you can continue with it with what we're going to hear in the main service. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you very much for your word and for Josiah. What a great example for us to be and for being a guy who's around the same age as many of the kids in this room. Look what you did with him. His name is forever recorded in your word. I want that to be the same thing with these kids. Their names may be in the Lamb's Book of Life, but I want their story to be told in heaven for ages to come now. Let us not have a boring story. Let us not have one that... I want these kids to have a life and a story that Moses and David are seeking them out in heaven and want to inquire, tell me what it was like living in Laodicea. I want them to sit down with the kids in this room and ask them what their life was like and to inquire about it. Because they're watching. The angels are watching, seeing how we exude grace in our lives, the Bible says. So may we live a life that is worth telling the story of someday. And may we tell that story tomorrow as we go back to school and work. In Jesus' name, amen.